I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Just a quick reminder, if you want to keep up to date with everything that's happening with Education on Fire, please go to the homepage, educationonfire.com, and you can put in your email and we'll keep you up to date on a weekly basis of what's going on with the podcast and lots of the extra things that we're providing as well. Now, today I'm chatting to Sue White, and she's the Senior Education Specialist at Widget. A qualified primary teacher, Sue's passion for building children's vocabulary came after teaching a child with specific learning difficulties. Sue could see that the child's behaviour in class was born from a frustration of not being able to fully participate in lessons. Determined to help, Sue started a long journey of learning how to help children who process learning differently. She first became a Senko and later specialised in a range of developmental disorders where lack of vocabulary development impacted on attainment. Sue discovered that symbols, visual representations of words, can help all children comprehend spoken and written text, communicate better, as well as build confidence, independence and vocabulary. She has been with Widget since 2018, where she has advised hundreds of schools on how to use symbols to improve learning and support delayed language development. Now, I think this is a topic we haven't covered here before on the podcast, so I hope this is very informative and gives you a little insight into how this may be of benefit to you. This is my conversation with Sue White. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Tell us, what is Widget and, and exactly what it is that you're able to support people with with it? Okay, well, thanks very much for having me. Um, Widget is um, a company uh, that produces software that uh, uses symbols, basically, so supporting visual learning. We have a database of over 20,000 symbols that can be used across the curriculum but also for uh, not just children, but for adults, for anyone that has any form of learning difficulty or difficulty accessing text. So basically you can type in a word, a symbol appears automatically, and it allows you to easily create a visual to support uh, anyone for various reasons. So it kind of really breaks down that that immediate barrier, I guess, in terms of being able to need to read this or, or express yourself in that sort of traditional reading and writing kind of sense, you've got much more of an immediate reaction and an immediate way of communicating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the symbol will allow you to access uh, words that you might not know. So it might be English as an additional language or a visitor to our country um, in a museum or a zoo or, or somewhere near a tourist attraction that you've gone to visit. Um, it will help you decode text. So if you don't can't actually read the word, then you can actually see the symbol and that helps you decode text, particularly around words that have multiple meanings. So the word uh, cell, for example. Yeah, I might be talking about a prison cell or a battery cell um, or the cell in a PowerPoint table. But 
if I've got a visual, then I get that comprehension straight away. So that can help people with sort of comprehension difficulties. It's also much easier to uh, process information that's visual, um, text-based or spoken language. It can be sort of quite transitory. It, you know, the spoken word disappears. But if I've got a visual, it, it's there so I can see it all the time. I don't have to process things quickly. So used in all sorts of different ways, really. Yeah, and it sounds like lots of different settings and, and lots of different um, environments as well. So so take us through you know, a bit of history about the company. How long has it been going? And then what was the, the, the overall driving force to think it's this is a good idea to actually creating it into something that's going to help so many people. Yeah. So um, Widget is a family-based company. It's actually been around for um, well over 30 years, started by um, Tina, who was a special needs teacher, and her husband, Mike, who had an interest in software. Um, and they saw the value of symbols as a means of communication initially. So for children who were nonverbal, who were then able to make a choice by actually indicating a, um, a symbol on a, a choice board. So they actually their voice was heard. Uh, but in doing so, they then realized the value of text-based information and that symbols could be used to support children to learn to read and become actually a language. So over the years, the, the symbol set has been developed with a schema, which actually means it's a growing living language rather than just sort of ad hoc drawings. So if you take the example of um, a library, for example, we have a set of rules around what a building looks like. Um, so if, if basically um, a child were to draw a house, so, you know, sides and a roof, that's the symbol for a building. If we put a book inside that building, it becomes a, a building with books, so a library. If we put a pint of beer, a beer mug inside a building, it becomes a pub. So there's, there's a set of rules that actually allow the language to develop. So a child or an adult who needs to use those symbols to sort of, uh, well, I say either communicate or to uh, read can understand the symbols in that way. Um, and the company's just gone from strength to strength, really. So as I say, started in that special needs setting, but now we do work across paramedics, across the prison service, with the police, with uh, leisure industry, with government, I hate to say the word Ofsted, but we've done some work for Ofsted in terms of surveys so that um, children with additional needs can access the, the questions that Ofsted want to know about as well. So, yeah, as you say, very wide reaching, really. And and I guess, you know, we're here talking about education generally. How, how does it sort of show up? So sort of a teacher or someone who's listening in, um, from that setting, you know, how how is it likely to, to one, get on their radar to begin with or how might they be, be using it or need to be trained in it and actually become part and parcel of how they would be part of their school? Yeah. So I think all teachers know the, the benefit of using visuals. So your children are, you know, could be visual, auditory or kinesthetic learners. And many young children, or I'd say perhaps the majority of young children, are visual learners until their brain sort of lateralizes at around age seven. Um, but just having a visual to support learning can really just help children retain information. So um, there was some work back in the 1970s from a, a gentleman called Alan Pavio, who looked at something called dual coding, 
which shows that if you hear a word and you see a visual representation of that word, then your memory, your long-term memory of that is so much better. So that would be a, a you know a, a use for I would say all children, particularly in developing vocabulary, tier two words, tier three words, um, particularly. But it's also, as I said, about that processing of language. So when we become anxious, our brain um, goes into what's called flight or fright or freeze mode. Um, sort of the reptilian brain at the back takes over your central processing and closes it down. So it's very difficult then to process language, either spoken or written. But when you see a visual, that's very easy. So I guess in many ways in, in sort of education, it, it's kind of used um, for children on the autistic spectrum who can become very anxious and then uh, frustrated. And then you, you get the unfortunate behavioral um, results from that. But again, using a visual either to calm a situation or to preempt a situation with a visual timetable or a now and next board um, can really give them that kind of reassurance and lessen anxiety. Um, so all children become quite anxious. Uh, yeah, we all become anxious in situations that we, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I was a bit anxious before I, I met you today, Mark, um, because it's just an unknown situation and what's, you know, what's going to happen. So visuals can, can be really useful there. Um, I say another instance, um, it's not so much around the education in the classroom, but if you think about uh, road signs and how we all see a road sign and we know immediately what it means, or we see a no entry sign and we know immediately what it means, or we see the, uh, the right sign on the toilet door and we know which one to go to um, there's an instant recognition it's much easier to see that and to use that than to have a whole load of text yeah and it's really it's really got my brain going because as a musician I spend you know a large part of my week teaching people to play the drums um, and and that kind of combination of some people obviously they hear something and they can repeat it very easily. Some people like to read music and, and the symbols come together, but it's that combination of two, depending on the child, depending on the situation, and also depending on the piece of music as well. You know, it's that kind of, it looks very complicated to read it, almost like you say, as if you were reading a, a sentence of something, but when they hear it, then they go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but also vice versa as well. They say, well, I can understand that, but if I had to have sort of played it just from what I heard, I'd never know what to do. So I can sort of really understand how they go together. Yeah, absolutely. So that 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 dual coding is is for a particular piece of interesting research around the verbal and the visual because um, they're different parts of the brain. So if you're engaging both parts, then there's kind of more um, chance, if you like, of, of learning the word yeah. and being able to retain it and use it. Um, so you know, particularly around sort of tier two words in terms of literacy development, so vocabulary. Yeah. And it's also why I also tell them why they feel slightly tired sometimes having had a lesson because they're, like I said, both Working. sides of the brain, you know, you're using your right side of your body and your left side of your body and like I say, and all these other things as well. I, I've sort of seen these sort of experiments where they sort of um, put the electrodes on the head with, related to music and like I said, the whole thing just looks like it's on fire because you're just using so much of your brain and you're just sort of just engaging with everything, which is why you feel alive, but also why, you know, it, it takes so much out of you as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely so you you talked about sort of um the sort of the teacher side of it and all that tell us a little bit about your your background within that and how you got involved um from your various parts of your career in, into where you are now with widget 
Yeah. Um, so I didn't start um, teaching straight from university. I, I went to work um, in the life assurance industry as an actuary and then quickly decided that that wasn't for me and, and moved into teaching. So I was a mainstream primary school teacher. Um, I had a child in my very first year, NQT year, who looking back was obviously severely dyslexic, but at the time I didn't know that. Um, I'm talking a long time ago when I started teaching and, and SPLD was kind of hardly recognised or not much known about it at that stage. Um, and his behaviour consequently was, was not good because he couldn't access the curriculum. So I think that that sparked my interest right early on in, in children with additional needs and how I could support them. I'm not a good drawer. I, I don't I love creative things, but I'm not particularly artistic. So I found it very difficult to sort of um, draw. So it was a case of looking around for something. We we're also talking, I suppose, um, pre easy access to uh, the computer and the Internet and, and Google Images, etc. Um, so I needed something that was going to support me to support children who were struggling with their reading at that stage. It took a while for me to find Widget. Um, and back in the sort of late 90s, I suppose, I first came across them, a um, programme called Writing with Symbols then. And it was a revelation because, as I say, I could type in a word, symbol appeared, I could write books. First book I ever wrote was about... Um, Power Rangers. So I like Power Rangers. Mum likes Power Rangers. I like the blue Power Ranger. Uh, so we got all our 45 words into books about Power Rangers and got a child who's really engaged in, in reading um, or starting. And then as I say you could move on then and use it in many different ways. But I, I moved into a Senko role because I wanted to, to support more children across the school. Um, various schools as a Senko, um, the, the latter school becoming a Elfstead excellent school for um, SEN provision. Um, and then I then went to work for the local authority as an SEN advisor, um, qualifications in dyslexia, dyscalculia, speech and language, autism spectrum, um, always promoting widget and symbols, the use of visuals to um, you know, all the schools I worked with. Um, and then, latterly, a job came up um, doing what I was doing, more or less, uh, throughout the local authority, training, persuading, encouraging people to use symbols and visuals. Um, and yeah, so transitioned into working for Widget four and a half years ago. It's amazing. You're not the first person to be on the podcast who's, who's talked about just sort of the... Um sort of really celebrating um, a company or an organization or something which they just believe in really passionately that ends up actually working for them because it, they, they said well I think I've been working for them for sort of 10 or 15 years unpaid <laughs> before. yeah just I could probably yeah it. yeah absolutely um, yeah um, I, I think I, I went through various um, as many people did back in the day, when they're making people, making people redundant and reorganising um, local authorities and reapplying for your own job. Um, and the last one happened to coincide with a job advert for, for the company. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole different podcast about timings and the way all that all that kind of works <laughs> in, in terms of... Uh, Fate. In terms of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so... 
how do you think um is is the best way for people to to who haven't come across widget before to get involved is it to to, to go to the website see all the things that are available or, or what sort of the best sort of first touch point yeah, I mean, certainly um, visiting our website and we have a lot of information, a lot of success stories and a lot of um, articles that have been written showing how the symbols and, and visuals can be used in general. Um, so that's that's a very good starting point. Um, I'd just say it is widget with an IT. We, uh, we are a software company is a good way to remember it. Um, if you go to widget, you will not find us. Um, but also I'd say just to have a go at trialing the software. We, we have free software. Um, just sign up with an email address and actually having a go and creating a resource and trying it in the classroom, seeing how the children react um, and actually make use of it. And I guess that's the key thing, isn't it? I mean, the, the thing that struck me just before when you were chatting about it is the sense that there's almost kind of um, a personalised ownership about something like that. Like say, if you know, I'm creating this or we're we're reading this together or we're we're part of this journey, which I think as soon as it becomes personalized, that changes the feeling of of the education and the learning that you're doing, despite the, whatever the needs are that you're doing to try and help any given child. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is that person that the software itself allows you to personalize so you can change the color of the school uniform, you can change the color of the skin tone, so you can make it really personal for the child. But it is it's the, it's the fact that it's bespoke to that child. So as you say, I can write a story about Power Rangers because that sorted was was the work that the, the elements that the child was interested in. But equally, you could write about Alsatian dogs or fire engines or you know whatever it is that's actually going to be that motivation dinosaurs you know it's the thing that catches the imagination and actually gets the child engaged that's really key yeah and i think anybody that has that one-to-one -one relationship with a child which of course is pretty much anyone that's involved in 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 schools but certainly in education generally i think as, as soon as you have that that trust in in terms of, of we're on this journey together and we're helping each other and we're able you know you're physically communicating in a different way or in a different way than they've experienced before but I think there's there's then suddenly a, a, an emotional connection and a trust which which goes with that which I guess you know must be must be felt across everything they're learning not just in terms of this particular situation yeah I think you're, you're right so having sort of talked about that sort of relationship and that kind of um understanding is there is there a teacher or, or an education experience that you remember which had a had a big impact on your life um i yeah several, several teachers i suppose but um one one for particularly good reasons and one for particularly bad reasons <laughs> um i i as i said mentioned earlier um I've been around for, for many, many years, but I, I learned to read not by um, traditional ABC or a book, um, but by learning um, the uh, fun names, if you like, of the letters of the alphabet. So we learned Smiley Blue, which was E, and Yummy Pink, which was Y, and Pony Brown, which was P. And uh, the, the teacher that I remember particularly was amazing at, at the time, I thought probably making up the stories that went with all these character uh, letter names, grapheme names, but I think probably it, it probably did come from a book, but the way that she actually was able to motivate and encourage the imagination that she used to get the children 
me um, and my, the rest of my peers um, involved in, in learning was, was a really good one. Yeah, I remember that, very special. That amazing sort of just capturing that imagination, isn't it? Like you say, it sort of gets swept up in the whole thing. And it's amazing how, especially at that younger age, you sort of imagine everything that um, your teachers do, whether it's creating things or whatever, and you sort of forget the fact that they've probably got a, they've done it for many years and yes. a, whole load, a whole lot of backup there and do as well. Yeah, but it's, yeah, she's just, she was just able to, you know, spout forth these stories about these, these um, letter characters. And it was just, um, yeah sat on the edge of the edge of the carpet just enthralled yeah exactly um, yeah and um is there a piece of advice that you were given or a piece of advice maybe now that you give your younger self that, that you think would be really 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 helpful for people my younger son uh, probably about three years ago came out with a phrase that i don't think i'd ever heard but i probably kind of lived by but I, I just liked the way that it was he, he sort of phrased it he said whether you think you can or you can't you are probably right and I think I, I'm sure that you know we kind of lived by that anyway because it, it's about mindset and belief and being able to do things but um, I, that that's a that was, it was a really good piece of advice he was giving me about something <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so I think seeing that one is um, Advice from my younger self. Um, I think I was, in inverted commas, quite a good child and was probably a bit too um, set with rules. So I think I would probably tell my younger self to loosen up a bit and, um, yeah, try try different things. I think I, I stuck to the, you know, everything quite rigidly. Um, it's only now I'm a bit older that I've started to be a little bit more adventurous, I think. Um, probably still quite tame compared to many people, but <laughs> I've recently got a tattoo. Wow, that is... So something. there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's very easy, isn't it, to sort of, you know, you find your lane in inverted commas in terms of, you know, I know I can do this. It seems to work. Everyone seems pleased with what I'm doing and it all seems to be heading in the right direction because everyone thinks it's good. Um, and and you can kind of get sort of get stuck within that because you think that's the right thing to do when you yeah. like say that expression of yourself or it doesn't have to be a major majorly different to who you are anyway but as soon as you feel restricted by it rather than feeling free like you say to express yourself then maybe that's where that that line gets crossed yeah indeed and everyone's got a, a resource which is really important to them and this can be sort of an educational resource, but it can also be a personal one or an emotional one. And um, so I'm interested, is there a podcast, a book, a video, film, song, or or anything that's had an impact on your on your life? And, and why was that? Um, I think um, I remember reading um, Jonathan Livingston Seagull um, back in the 1980s when I was at university by, by Richard Bark. And I think that probably had quite an influence in terms of, of thinking. There are just so many amazing things, I think, that can come out of that, that little story um, around, well, being free, you know, being yourself, being determined, going for your goals, following your dreams. Um, I think that, that that probably spoke to me quite, um, quite a lot at that age when I was, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Um, what sort of person I wanted to be, really. Yeah, and I think they're, they're interesting, these things, aren't they, in terms of, of what catches you at what 
point of your life for example i remember when i was i, I was never a interested in reading particularly anything more than I had to when I was younger and and the whole learning through the book system at school wasn't something I was necessarily thrilled about having to do but then suddenly as I sort of left school and had more time and I was going to college and that kind of thing I just suddenly realized that I could actually read for enjoyment or I could find a subject which really caught my attention I remember starting to read some autobiographies and things and just thinking I was really fascinated about that person's life you know how did you become an Olympic sprinter or how did you yeah. create this sort of thing and then you suddenly realize it's not about reading for reading's sake it's actually you're interested in something which can take you into that kind of world yeah no see, my, my younger son that I mentioned he's um he's an athlete and um he, he's doing a PhD, which I think whether, it, you know, if you believe you can, whether you think you can or you can't, <laughs> it's probably right, you know, comes from. Um, but he loves to read lots of um, autobiographies about the, the great athletes. And yeah, it's often quoting various things from them. Yeah, it's yeah really motivating. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things which is obviously really important to us here is this sort of idea of fire in terms of breaking it down into feedback, inspiration, resilience and, and empowerment. I'm just I'm curious um, when I ask people this, you know, what is it that kind of jumps out, out at you when, when we talk about these particular words or, or these sort of ideas, especially within the sort of the learning setting? Um, I think. Well, feed, feedback is just, it, it's really, really good to get feedback. Um, mentioned earlier on about the teacher that I didn't get on with particularly. And that was interesting because the feedback that he gave to me was always very negative. Um, it was, I did French A-level. I wasn't very good at it, to be fair, but um, he and I didn't see eye to eye either. So um, I think, so feedback on a positive side is so important. And I tried so much, so hard to, to be a really positive teacher uh, when I was in the classroom. My role model, I think, for that was my dad. So that's where you kind of look at inspiration as well. My, my dad was a, a lecturer at a College of Higher Education that all morphed into polytechnics and then universities. Um, and when he retired, he had so many um, cards and um, comments and memories from students past and present about how he'd made such a difference to their life that I always wanted to be like him, really, in terms of giving that positive feedback, being an inspiration to young people and, and really kind of helping them through. He, he um, I'd say, and my dad's also my, my role model, if you like, for resilience. Um, he, uh, and, and that kind of mindset of believing you can, he, he swam the channel back in wow. 1970. And, you know, it was really rare then and, and a great achievement. And I think it still is because I found out, I don't know if you're, um, listeners are interested, but there's a really uh, fact that less people have swum the channel than have climbed Mount Everest. So, wow. and that's, that that's now, know. yeah. And so back in 1970, he was kind of one of the, the, the few low hundreds that had done it. And the resilience that that took, um, ice baths, we used to have to take up gallon containers of ice and put them in the bath to make the water cold enough for him and, and all the training that goes with that. Yeah, so um, I think that those are kind of things I would uh, relate to those words. Yeah, and um, I'm always really fascinated about the fact that our lives are just 
built around so many different facets aren't they like you say you know from your teachers to your family to experiences good or bad as they go through and i think i think seeing all of these things in the round as as positive you know like i say whether whether the initial reaction is good or bad but you know taking it for what it is and being able to sort of put it in the right space and, and learning from it um and a bit like the sort of the quote you were saying in terms of <laughs> if you can and if you can't it's that kind of thing you can take from any of those things in a in a in a really sort of positive positive way um so just just to round up in in terms of widget if there's something you'd like people to take away from from what you've learned and from your sort of um being able to support it and be part of it for such a long time both in sort of like say your your pre-professional career involved in the company and also obviously now what, what do you think is is that sort of key thing that people should take away uh i think it's about access and you know meeting a, a need and I, I think as teachers and professionals, we, we all want to do the best for our children. And, and sometimes it's difficult to know what that is um, and in terms of differentiation and, and support. But Widget is such an easy uh, system to use and it can be so supportive in so many different ways that I think it, it's something that I couldn't have taught without it. I think um, and I, I really would encourage everybody to to have a go because it's just so much easier than finding an image because it's they're there for you and you've got a consistency that can go through the school so that the children aren't having to get used to different visuals in different um, classes each time. But it can support, you know, like I said before, a child who's anxious, a child who's um, selectively mute. Um, but you're, you're inverted commas, you're um, normal learners, those who aren't neurodiverse, because everybody relates to to visuals and, and symbols. And that's a really key thing for me, I think, is the fact that anything which is seen as the norm with, within an organisation or, or like say in a, in a school in this particular example, that that can also enhance those people that need the extra support then it, yeah. it's it it doesn't separate any given section of the community or, or any particular child or whatever it's kind of we're all part of this we're all using this in a positive way and just in our day-to-day -day lives and through that initial contact and that initial access those people that are going to get even more benefit from it it's just a very natural progression and a very normalized progression i guess yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, if we're looking at quality first teaching and we're looking at inclusion, you know, if you've got all your drawers labelled, it doesn't matter if somebody can actually read scissors because the person who can't read scissors can see the symbol and they both independently can go and get the scissors. So it, it's actually that in inclusivity in that setting is, is really key. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So just tell um, everyone the best place to go. Like I said, the website's always the best place, but tell people where that is and um, and then, yeah, we'll be say goodbye yep so you can find us at www.widget.com and as i say it's widget with an it such a great way to remember it lovely so thank you so much indeed it's been fascinating and and really interesting chatting to you about it and i and as i said before i love this passion between the kind of the the, the pre-work work and and the actual work and uh, and how those things combine so yeah thanks so much thank you thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. 
just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.